Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Not the First Baptist Church choir, that is the OK Corral. Yes, it is. I've been waiting to say that the whole morning. All right. Wow. Okay, so next Sunday, if you want to hear more music like that, wear cowboy boots, all right? Uh, That's great. Guys, thank you for doing that. It was honoring to God. Uh, There's a theory that is in counseling. And the theory is this. You go ahead, it's it's actually called replacement theory, uh, therapy. And it basically means that you find one particular positive thing or habit and you trade it for a negative one. That's called replacement therapy. And counselors use this frequently with people that that have some types of addictions and things like that. It acts as as a tool. But I want to share with you, God doesn't do that. He exchanges our sin for His Holy Spirit direction in your life and mine. He exchanges things. And guys, an exchange means this. You're not taking something out of your life. You're giving something. What you're doing is giving up your sin. You see, when you and I become Christ followers, one of the things we have to be willing to do is say to God, God, not only I recognize myself as a sinner, but I go ahead and am willing to go ahead and give you my sin. It's a great deal. You see, you and I have the opportunity to go ahead and let God take our sin from us and replace it by His grace and faith. And that's the greatest deal that you'll ever make in your life. It's the opportunity for you and me to have a heavenly home instead of an earthly bondage. And that's why when we've been talking about fretting, this is the last sermon of this series, You have to go ahead and exchange something for your fretting. And this is faith over fret. Faith over fret. Now folks, we're going to be looking at a scripture that we looked at two times in the 12 years I've been here as pastor. In both cases, we've kind of taken a direction. By the way, that's the great thing about scripture. You can read God's Word and it can speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit can begin to speak to you about a situation at that moment that is going on in your life. And then as you read that same scripture, perhaps a year, perhaps ten years later, and you're going through something completely different, God will use that same scripture to begin to speak to your heart. Here's the the deal, folks. Look, this is God's holy and perfect word. All right? Please hear this. It is not inerrant. It is not infallible. Those are human words that have been thrust on it by folks that want to play politics in religion and in church. What the Bible says about itself is it is inspired. That means God breathed into the 40 plus writers, the 40 plus people that put pen down on paper. He breathed himself into this. This is not a static document, folks. This thing is alive. And what God uses the Word of God to do is to speak to your heart and mind for where we are. What we're, by the way, this isn't the sermon. This is just something that came up. Right, you know, I'm walking along here. There it is. 
This thing is alive, and so it speaks to us again and again and again as we read the stories. That's why when you read the Christmas narratives that we'll be approaching in the next month and a half, all of a sudden those things can come alive and new to you even though you've heard them since you were a small child. The Word of God is alive. And the story we're about to read is one that talks about a man who, cha- who, go with, who went ahead and exchanged faith for fretting. I'm going to invite you to stand together. Our verse, verses this morning are found in Acts chapter 12. It's a familiar story to many of you about Peter when he got himself into a little bit of a mess. Let's share together God's holy word and read it together. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. But he had no idea. Thought he was seeing a vision. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Now, folks, this is a great set of scriptures. And it continues on a little bit. And if you want the other side of the story, tonight at 6 o'clock in, in the chapel, the little building next door to us, we kind of unpack a little bit more of this. Uh, and, and kind of dig in a little deeper at what God was doing during this time. Have you ever had someone uh, say to you, you need to rest in the Lord? Something's going on in your life, and someone says to you, you know, you just need to rest in the Lord. Let me share with you about that. Did it bother you when they said that? It seems easy for others to say to you something spiritual when they aren't in the line of fire. Well, Peter's in the line of fire. Peter is in a heck of a mess. He was stuck in prison. He was about to be killed because he was a Christ follower. It was politically motivated. It was evil. And many times, folks, those two things, political motivation and evil, go hand in hand together. So what's, what ends up happening? Well, Herod is playing the politician, and the church is paying for it. Now let me share with you about Herod. 
There are many people in the Bible that are named Herod, especially when we get into the idea of what the church was. Matter of fact, there's a guy, Herod, that wants to kill Jesus as he's an infant. You remember that story? We'll be getting to that in a couple of months. What ends up happening here is this is not that Herod. This is a different Herod. But he is equally evil. And this particular Herod was a Jewish fellow who was politically very well connected. He was known as Herod Agrippa, and he was a friend and supporter of the Roman Emperor Caligula. Anybody know anything about him? This is a bad guy. Caligula is a bad, bad guy. Matter of fact, Caligula was the very first guy that was a Roman emperor that, that singled out Christians specifically and began to go ahead and persecute them within the Roman Empire, and especially within the city of Rome. And he hunted them down. One particular writer in that time said that he took Christ followers and he bound them and wrapped them in pitch, that's tar, which would have hurt getting on you in the first place, and then he sat them up and lighted the streets of Rome with them when he set them on fire and they burned, they burned them alive. This is a bad guy. And Herod is a friend of his. Now you know the story. He'd already run James, the, son, the, the brother of John and the son of Zebedee, through with his sword and saw that the Jews in the leadership in the temple were pleased with that action. And his plan was to garner more praise and more political savvy by going after the biggest name in the church at that time, which was Peter. Peter's arrested, he's placed in a jail, and he's awaiting execution. It's not a good scenario. So let me ask you this. What would you do on the last night of your life if you had, look, if tonight's the last night of your life, what would you do? I'd be watching the cowboy get, no, you wouldn't. What would you do? What would you do? I'd eat every food that I was told I couldn't eat. No, come on. Would you worry? Would you have a party and say, you know what? I'm going to party like it's my last day on earth. There's no tomorrow. Or would you stay up and be concerned and fret? Peter is arrested. He has no hope. He has no way out. So Peter does what some of you are planning to do right now in the middle of this sermon. He took a nap. He took a nap. Peter is asleep. He's in prison. And yet he knows what's in store for him. The question that everybody wants to know is did Peter know that God was going to rescue him? Or was he such a man of faith that his situation didn't bother him at all? It's the only reason you can think of that's rational for why he would be asleep when he knows the next day Herod is going to put him on trial. And in those days, folks, you didn't go on trial and then they would wait years for the punishment. He knew that if he were put on trial and if he were found guilty, he would be executed that very day. Well, you find the answer in verse 9. If you've got your Bible, turn over there. Peter believes he is dreaming. Why didn't it bother him then? In verse 9, the entire scenario that plays out, he believes he's dreaming. 
having a vision from God when he's rescued by the angel. Notice that the angel had to walk, to, had to walk Peter through the first steps of his rescue. Now this is a really good, this is a great story. First of all, I don't know about you, but perhaps you have seen people that when they go to sleep, they are gone. Ever known somebody like that? Some of you all are looking at each other. All right? The person goes out and you cannot get them back awake. A band could be marching. The Aggie band could march through, okay, playing that song that they play. And that person is lights out. What's really good about this scripture is if you notice, the angel comes into the prison cell. Now Peter is, look, the guards had a, had a real reason to be chained to Peter. If he escapes, they die. If he escapes, they die. By the way, the guards that were at the tomb of Jesus, they had a reason to guard a dead man's body. Because if the dead man is gone, they die. They're chained to him. One on either side, the Bible says. And there's a guard at the door. And as they're there, Peter is sleeping the sleep of the redeemed. And so what ends up happening? The angel comes in. Have you ever tried to wake up that person you were just thinking about that really is a sound sleeper? How do you do it? Come on, sweetheart. Wait. You look like you're about to go to sleep. Come on, sweetheart. Wake up. Come on. Come on. By the way, if you go to sleep in my sermon, the entire church is going to leave and they'll leave you in here. We'll all go, ooh, look, they're sleeping. And we'll all sneak out, okay? You'll be left here. You'll think the rapture has happened, okay? You don't wake somebody that is a sound sleeper up like that. And if you read in your Bible, the Bible says that the angel had to come up to Peter and pop him says he struck him. That's a great word. In Greek it means he took his hand and didn't go, come on sweetheart, wake up. Peter, I'm here to rescue you. It says he dope slapped him. And Peter wakes up. And he is so asleep that the angel has to say and walk him through his rescue. Peter. Pete. Now, that same person that's a sound sleeper, Perhaps there's somebody that you know that when they wake up, they are no good until their 12th cup of coffee. That's Peter. That's Peter. He is no good. And so the angel has to walk him through his rescue. Get rid of the chains, Peter. Gather up your things, Peter. Are you like that when you wake up? Peter must have been in a deep, restful sleep. Because he certainly wasn't expecting for what had happened. And guys, this is what's interesting about this story. When we look at it and we understand that he, that he knows what's going to happen to him, and yet he's asleep, and you can think it's stress, you can think anything you want. But the real question is, did Peter have the faith to believe that it would be okay? I want to share with you that God not only cares about you, but He cares also about your health. And this set of Scripture demonstrates it because right in the middle of this, in verse 8, this ought to be great comfort to everybody in this room. The angel, te- Look, an angel's job 
is to go ahead and pronounce and announce the work and the doings of God. That's their primary job. And this angel tells Peter these words. Gather up your stuff. Get ready to go. But put on your coat. It's cold outside. Put on your coat. Put on your cloak. It's cold. Now folks, we're in that wonderful... This is the reason people live in Texas is the weather we have right now. If you came and visited Texas for the first time and it was in July or August, you would not move here. It's a hell sermon. One week after another after another. If you move here in in January and sometimes, it is darn cold. But this time in October is about the best time of Texas weather except for April. It's wonderful. The other day I I was watching some folks who were walking in our neighborhood. And there was a lady who was out there and she had a ski jacket on. It's 60 degrees. A ski jacket. And she's walking. And so I'm watching her, and I'm, th- I'm in my back house, and I'm watching her, and I'm thinking, what in the world is this lady wearing a ski jacket for? Is she, is she a terrorist? Does she have like something, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, what is... No, she was cold. God cares enough about you that He doesn't want to rescue you from the prison that you're in right now and have you die of pneumonia when you get out. He cares about you that much. Folks, if you're battling right now physical illness or ailments, God cares. He cares. He knows it. And He is battling with you. He is right there with you, battling that with you. He cares about you and your health. God cares about all parts of your life, whether you're aware of your need or not. He is constantly at work around you to prepare you for the next step of your walk with Him. And He wants you to be at your best when you're walking with Him. Now there's another part of this as well. Not only does God want you to rest in Him, but when you dream, dream big. There's always more to the story than when you and I get out of first reading this. In the following verses, past the ones we read this morning, we find Peter is out of prison, but he's not out of danger. He's he's standing outside the prison walls, and it occurs to him that he better hide because the prison guards, whose lives are now at stake, will soon be looking for him. So he makes his way over to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Now John Mark is the guy that, that appears in the book of Acts We find out a little bit more about him. And the Apostle Paul deals with him a little bit. This is a fellow who was a young leader. He was a young guy and he was a leader in the local church. And he goes over to to Mary's house and it is late at night or early in the morning. This is not the time where people are normally up. And he gets over there and he realizes this is probably a decent place to hide. Now think about this, folks. If you have been arrested and you're a leader in the local church, and you've been arrested, and you say, hey, I'm going over to Hollis Hood's house because he's a deacon at our church. If I'm hiding, I'm not going to Hollis' house, okay? I am not going to Hollis' house. I'm going to Ross's house, okay? Hide me, Ross. 
He goes right to the place that he's going to be looked for the quickest. And when he gets there, he reaches up to the door. And you have to imagine, it is dark, and he's trying to sneak around, and he gets over there, and he quietly knocks on the door. Now what is the church, the other believers doing? They're upstairs, and they're praying. And they're praying that God goes ahead and releases him, that God somehow, in a miraculous way, frees Peter, that he's brought back, that he's okay, and he's not going to be killed. And they send a wonderful little Jewish girl named Rhoda. Can't think of a better Jewish girl's name, Rhoda. Here's Rhoda. And Rhoda goes downstairs, and she's a servant, and she's op- she doesn't open the door. The Bible says she hears Peter. What is Peter saying? Well, the Bible doesn't say, but he's probably going, open the door. Open the door. This is actually where it gets to be kind of funny. By the way, when you read God's Word, there are plenty of times that God and the writers of God's Word in- Put in humor in this. This is one of those times. He's there. He's open the door. This is Peter. I'm here. So what's Rhoda do? She doesn't open the door. She runs back up the stairs and she tells everybody that's there, listen, Peter is downstairs. I heard his voice. Now folks, we're talking about faith overcoming fret. Okay? Here's the church. These are the fellow believers following Jesus. What do they do? They killed Peter! It's his angel! There are a couple of things that I need to share with you again. Thank you, Harold Reeves. When you die, you don't become an angel. You are better than an angel. Angels do not get to go through the human condition we go through. We get to go through that. They don't get that chance. Here's the deal, folks. When you die, when you die, you are a spiritual being right now having a human experience. You are not a human having a spiritual experience this morning. God is wanting to deal with the you that puts your head down on the pillow and looks up at the ceiling and asks yourself, was this a good day? That's the part that God wants. By the way, the body comes along with that decision. Bless you. And what God really wants this morning is to go ahead and have you have the faith to open the door to the next step that Rhoda didn't take. Now meanwhile, while Peter is downstairs and Rhoda's announcing this and the church is going, they've killed him, it's so sad. Eventually she comes downstairs and he starts knocking again, I guess. But she comes downstairs and opens it up. And she, he goes in and he begins to say to them, this is what happened. This angel came into the and, and we don't even know what happened with the guards. You know, they're there. Did they wake up? Were they, were they unable to go ahead and intercede? But Peter is freed. And if you read the story a little farther, you find that Herod Agrippa goes in and he interviews the guards. He says, what happened? And as he interviews them, and we're talking about 16 people here, he executes all of them for two reasons. Number one, he didn't want the word to get out that God was really doing things that was past his control. And you find out if you read chapter 12 a little later, 
Herod is speaking at this one place, and as he's speaking, these people go, oh, he's such a good speaker. I've had that happen here. He's such a good speaker that he ends up, he can't be a human. He must be a God. And Herod didn't bother to correct anybody. The Bible said he fell ill, and he died a short time later. By the way, listen to me. Point number two. You're not an angel. You're not God. You're not God. Don't try to play that. You're not an angel. You're not God. It cost Herod his life. Peter has to patiently wait outside looking for the guards who are surely searching for him while he hears what's going on. Let me ask you, would you have been faithful? Are you faithful enough Is your faith strong enough in God right now that you can trust other people that are in this room that you are not related to? Your spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if they let you down, oh, he's dead. Even if they don't get it right, are you willing to go ahead and say, God, you have put me in a place with these people to work and serve side by side. And even if we get it wrong, we're going to be following not a leader, we're going to be following you. This is about God, folks, and your relationship with Him. Not about church. Not about pastors, deacons, any other leader. It is about faith that you have in God that He has it under control. And Peter actually believes in those folks that have kind of let him down. I don't know if I'd want friends like that that would say, you know what, he's actually dead. Instead, when you dream, dream big dreams. Because God is in fact sovereign. Peter says to himself in verse verse 11, that he knows that God is in charge of all things. Now think about this. This is a guy who followed Jesus from the get-go, saw the miracles of healing and walking on water, and he was there when he was betrayed and arrested, and had the risen Lord forgive him for all of his failings. That's Peter. That's you. Everything that you have done that has not been of God, God is right now willing to say, I will take you for the very first time. And if you've walked away from Him, I'll take you back. I love you that much and I care for you that much. You don't need to worry when you have a God that is like that. Go ahead and make the trade this morning of faith for fretting. Faith works. Fretting makes you have wrinkles on your face. Can I get a witness? Nope. Well, at 61, I can tell you that worry will do it. You all know what the 11s are? The 11s are the things that you get right here when you go like that. Some of y'all are going to go home and look in the mirror to see if you've got the 11s. Okay? It'll just provide wrinkles. Trade faith for that. 
for fretting. God is sovereign. That means He is in control. He is in charge. That's what sovereign means. He has rule over all things. So let me ask you, does He have rule over you this morning? Are you still caught up in worry? If you're still caught up in worry, the best way to get rid of the worry is to say, God, I know, I know that if you died for my sin 2,000 years ago and you sent your son to do that, that you have everything past that covered. I can trust you and ask you to come and forgive my sin, but God, I can also trust you with the tomorrow that has no control in my hands over it. He's in charge. But this is the really good news. He's not far away. This is really the neat thing. Even though God is in charge of the entire world, all of its inhabitants, holding the universe, it says, in His hand, He is available at this very moment for you. He is not far away. You don't need to come to church to see Him. He is walking with you at this very moment, waiting for you to receive faith in Him to change your life. That's what God does. That's what we make with the exchange of faith for fretting. What am I going to do about my past? God's already got that covered. What am I going to do about tomorrow? God's already seen it. Have faith. Rest in Him. Rest. Challenge yourself to rest in God. Because the real truth here, folks, is faith in your final resting place beats fretting about it. Faith in your final resting place beats fretting about it every time. So why was Peter really asleep? I think it is because he had nothing to worry about. Faith in a loving, sovereign God means that you can even face death and have peace. That means even if you are being abused, used, persecuted, you can go ahead and believe that God will take care of you. That's a a seldom sung song anymore in Baptist churches, but it's a good one. God will take care of you. Remember it? Some of you all do. And He will. Your faith in Him, your faith in Him is your final resting place. And it beats worrying. It worked for Peter. It can work for you too. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank You for loving us and giving us this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Not that I get to go ahead and talk about it, but Father, instead You get to use it to right now peel back the layers of our life and speak to us about where we are and what we're doing. The next few minutes, Father, I pray Your Holy Spirit will speak to our heart. And if we're right now struggling with the next step, whether it is first faith, whether it is saying I need to plug my life into a church family, whatever it is, Father, I pray that we will be willing to go ahead and let You have complete control over it. God, I like to control things. Part of my nature And it's part that you want to go ahead and see nailed to the cross this morning.
Father, allow that to happen. Help us to say yes to You. You're calling us to our next step in faith in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. At the end of the service, we have a song. This is that time and this is that song. If God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, I'm going to invite you to go ahead. God is leading you to simply make your way down out of that pew and meet with me here at this altar area. It has nothing to do with exercising your ability to walk forward during an invitation. It has nothing to do with religion. It is saying, I will have faith over everything else. And God will deliver that faith to your front door this morning. As we stand together, as we sing, you come as God leads.